Is everybody doing okay today? Are y'all awake? Was that amazing worship? I love JP. I love when he leads. Oh, there's always such a thick presence in the room, man, when, when him and, and my gosh, about time Destiny sang, right? That was so good. Listen, I, I am so, so happy to just be able to be here with you guys tonight and today and, and just talk about the love of Jesus. Um, we, as a pastoral staff, have just felt a need uh, to just share with you uh, what being a Christian is all about. And I think that Pastor Ron last week preached an amazing message on generosity like Christ. And uh, before that, Pastor Trey preached on uh, d- discipline like Christ and spiritual disciplines, things like that. And then Pastor Mike started with loving like Jesus. And the truth was, I was actually supposed to preach that message. And uh, I got COVID and so things kind of took a weird turn for me for a season. And so Pastor Mike said, you know what? I think I'm gonna still preach on love because we really believe that everything starts with love, right? But then as we started looking into it, it's like, hey, actually, all things Jesus, all things the word, all things the Bible, even the cross, it starts and ends with Jesus. And in that, Everything starts and ends with love. Jesus, his, everything about him encompasses love. And so this morning, before we dive in, I'd just like to ask you to bow your heads. We're just gonna pray. Uh, just invite Jesus in this space. And Jesus, we, we want our lives, we want our church, we want our view of others and our approach to Christianity to simply model after you. So Lord, I pray that you would speak and the eyes of our heart, Lord, would be wide open. Lord, I pray that you would invade this building today with your living holy, undeniable, unquestionable, unquenchable, unstoppable word. You are the living word, and we present ourselves, Lord, to you. Lord, do with us, speak to us, and challenge us, Lord. Bless us in ways that only you can. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind every stronghold and demonic distraction and any attack, Lord, Satan, that you would try to put on this place, put on this church, and put as a stopper of your word this morning. You have no authority in this space because the line of the tribe of Judah resides in this room and in our hearts. So Lord, I just pray that you would just do what only you can do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, it's gonna be fun. Listen, there's a common worldly kind of Christianity in this day, which many have and think they have enough of. It's a cheap Christianity which offends nobody and requires no sacrifice, which costs nothing and is actually worth nothing. J.C. Ryle. Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. C.S. Lewis. Um, Pastor Mike, like I said before, he started the series, and and I don't want you guys to think that I stole his notes or he stole mine. We're not gonna jip you this morning. You're gonna get a different message. This, today, I, I wanna talk, and, and, and just so you understand, uh, my heart is very much to be conversational in these approaches. So today, I, that's why I'm sitting down. I'm kinda relaxing a little bit because what I want this to feel like is, um, and, and I'm just throw this out there real quick. If any, time, any, any of you ever want to just connect and hang out and have a one-on-one, 
I love coffee and I love you. So you find us a table and I'll sit right across from you and we'll talk through anything you wanna talk about. But this morning I thought it would be appropriate for me to be able to just sit down like I'm sitting at a table, I don't have my coffee, but I did get a water, and just have a conversation with you about this topic of love. But what, what I wanna talk to you today about is, is loving like Jesus through relationships. See, in the English language, we have a lot of meanings for the word love, right? Like, I love Oreo cookies. Like, I really love them, unhealthily love them. But the love I have for Oreo cookies is not the same type of love I have for my bride. I love Antoine. Antoine's one of my best friends. Um, I can't love Antoine the same, in the same manner, in the same way that I love my daughters. For some of you guys, y'all, y'all like to hunt and y'all like to fish and y'all like to do things like that. So do I. I love, I love to be out in the woods. In fact, I took Antoine out this, this last week, and we, we spent, tried to spend a couple days out there, uh, try to find something to shoot. We didn't find a single thing. I didn't even see a squirrel. And I was like, what is going on? I'm in one of the most premier hunting places in Texas and couldn't see anything alive. Uh, <laughs> there was an animal to shoot at. I love to hunt, but my love for hunting is not the same kind of love I have for even you guys for my church family. I love my mama's biscuits and gravy and her meatloaf. It's one of my favorite meals, by the way, ladies. Uh, (laughs) Throw it out there. I love meatloaf. But my love for meatloaf is not the same kind of love I have for worshiping Jesus with my guitar. Are you you, you gathering what I'm saying? We have one word, but it means so many different things. And Jesus is very intentional with his word usage. See, in the Old, the Old Testament, they primarily wrote the Torah in Hebrew language. But in the New Testament, it was primarily wrote in Greek. And, and the Greek language has multiple words with different meanings for the word love. So when we read in our Bible and we, we read Jesus loves, he says to love, we're supposed to love, the word that he is using is very intentional and it's, it's, it's translates, it's agape love. And agape means unconditional. It's not derived from emotion. It's stri- strictly a choice. It's a decision. One, one of my favorite things to do, and Alicia and I have gotten an opportunity to do this a lot uh, over, over the years, is, is just mentor and counsel young married couples before they get married. And one of the things I, I was told when I was, Alicia and I were actually uh, dating and, and about to get married uh, by my mentor was he said, love and pursuit is a hundred hundred. It's not 50-50, it's not 60-40, it's not 70-30, it is a hundred hundred. It's making a choice, it's the agape love, it's making a choice that no matter how much I actually like her in the moment, I'm still choosing to love her. See, that's what Jesus did. He made a choice to go to the cross knowing that his bride would not necessarily accept him or accept his love. And he made the choice anyway. It was agape love, it was unconditional love. It was love that says, I'm gonna lay my life down no matter what. He made the choice, family. 
He made the choice to love. That's the type of love that Jesus commands us and asks us over and over in scripture to, to model. Um, I, I want to share this quote and, and, and I'm gonna set it up by first saying, going to church, going to church does not mean that you love Jesus. I, I don't, listen, this is not gonna be a conversation where you hopefully feel condemnation or you feel anything like that, but I do want it to be a challenge to you this morning. See, I, I don't wanna ever get up here and, and talk with you guys or any opportunity I ever have. The goal is, is not to get you to say amen a lot. I, I don't want you to shout me down, okay? I don't want you to say amen. What I want is the words that come out of my mouth and the challenge that I feel like the Holy Spirit has asked me to challenge you in. I want that challenge to sink deep inside your heart, inside your mind, and I want you to, to walk away and actually study the word for yourself and take these challenges and, and, and apply them to your daily life. That's the goal. So I'm gonna say a couple things that might be a little bit challenging this morning. Just, just hang with me and know that at the root of it, I love you, okay? Um, I love this quote from Billy Sunday. And I got a lot of quotes this morning. I don't know how that worked, but anyway. He says, going to church does not make you a Christian any more than going to a garage would make you an automobile. I love that. So I'm gonna ask you today, do you love Jesus? And before you start saying, well, of course I do, DJ. Let me challenge you in what this love actually looks like. I'm gonna tell you what it is. I'm gonna tell you what it's not. First, I'm gonna start with what it's not. It is not coming in here, worshiping, singing the songs that we have on the screen, enjoying conversation out in the lobby. It's not, uh, like I said, shouting down a preacher. It's not even coming up to the front and the altar and getting ministered to. Those are not signs of you loving Jesus necessarily. I would actually say that you love Jesus mostly by what you do outside the four walls of this church. Loving Jesus is way deeper and way more than the actions that we walk into this building and do. It's more, it's deeper. So this morning, uh, I wanna go to the word for what love actually is, what loving Jesus actually is, what Jesus himself would say love is. John 13, 34 through 35 says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In other words, reciprocate my love by loving others. Show me you love me by loving others. Respond to my love by loving others. So what does loving others look like? We know that the Bible says, right, it says love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? And then what does it say right after that? Sometimes we say this is second, but really it's equal. This is actually the same. And if you read it in trans most translations, it'll either say an equal to this or like this, not secondary to this, is love others. So how do we love our neighbor? 
How do we love others? Let's, let's look at uh, this passage in scripture, Luke 10, 25 through 37. And if you are familiar with this, uh, this will be the parable of the Great Samaritan. Let's read together. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? I love that Jesus answers a question with a question. What would our lives look like if we just got a little more curious? If we started asking a few more questions, what would it look like if when we're asked a question, we could easily reply with another question? Because we're curious. We don't wanna look like we have all the answers. We don't wanna act like we have all the answers. We, 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 we shouldn't even present ourselves like we have all the answers. We should say, well, I don't know, you tell me. I love that Jesus, the King of Kings, the, the answer, the one and the only, ask a question. So good, anyway. <laughs> um, and then man answered, he said, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he went again and asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And right here, I wanna stop, and I pulled this out of my commentary because I thought it was just really interesting. It helps break some of this down for us. But he, willing to justify himself, the question implied a conscious, half-awakened, and uneasy one, it is a characteristic that no doubt seems to cross his mind as to his love of God. There he felt that he was safe, but there were misgivings as to the second commandment, and as if feeling that there had been a ton of rebuke in our Lord's answer. He vindicates himself by asking the question, who is my neighbor? No one, he thinks, could accuse him of neglecting his duties, watch this, to those who lived in the same village, attended the same synagogue, and who were Pharisees like him, or even Israelites. See, what he's saying is, in this is, I've served and I've loved people who are just like me. They worship like me, they're in close proximity to me, and, and he's trying to justify himself. He wouldn't want or need to justify himself if there was not something to be justified for, right? So let's, let's pick it back up in verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. Priest, in this situation, is kind of like a pastor, all right? Let's just put it in, the, in our context. We'll say he's a pastor. So a pastor comes along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. And then there was a temple assistant. In other translations, this would be translated Levite. Levites is what I tell our worship team and our, our production team. I tell them, hey guys, we're, we're Levites. We're modern day Levites. And they say, well, what do you mean? And it's, our objective is to build tabernacle. Our objective is to prepare the place for God to meet with his people. That's our objective. And so this was kind of like a worship leader. He walks by and he says, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an end where he took care of him. The next day he handled, 
the next day, this guy was okay being put out of his convenience a little bit, right? The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay for the next time I'm here. So then Jesus brilliantly asked this question. Now, which of these three would you say a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, well, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus tells him, yes, now go and do the same. See, the Samaritans, the reason this is so powerful is that the Samaritans and the Jews were enemies. They lived in the same area, they lived in the same place, but they had a different culture, they had a different convictions, they had, they had a different way of living. I, much like some of the situation we currently are in, right? We have Republicans, we have Democrats, we have Reds, we have Blues, we have Liberals, we have Conservatives, and we have all these different ways of thinking. And sometimes, I've been on enough, I've had to remove myself from Facebook in certain situations. I've been in enough situations where I've watched Facebook and seen Facebook wars start over the stupidest things. Do I get vaccinated or do I not get vaccinated? You should get vaccinated, you shouldn't get vaccinated. And all of a sudden it turns from that, which could be a friendly, educated, hopefully, conversation, but it turns from that to all of a sudden now, you don't know what you're talking about, I hate you, you hate me, and now we're gonna not talk ever. We're enemies. Why in the world? We live in the same place, we have different opinions, we have different things, but, but why in the world can't we just find a way to love each other? So here's my, my challenge to you today, is this, love your enemies. If you wanna love like Jesus through relationships, you love your enemies. Jesus chose, he made the decision to love his enemies no matter what. In fact, think about, think about the people that he immediately touched, the presence of God. He accepted people into paradise. He accepted people, the, the man, the soldier, who stabbed a spear in his side, he allowed his living water to come and make him come alive. In the moment that he was getting stabbed in the side, he said, he died for the sins of the people who were persecuting him, who were ripping his beard out, spitting on him. He died for those people. So this morning, I, I wanna ask you, like, who is your enemy? Who is the person in your life that's different than you, votes differently than you, looks differently than you, worships differently than you? Who is the Samaritan in your life? Because we have to identify those people, and I'm gonna tell you this, guys, the way, the way that we see the kingdom here stretch, the way we see true discipleship come alive, the way we see our church be filled, is that we love our enemies. We don't throw hate on them. Listen, I'm gonna tell you this. Gay people and lesbian people have the love of Jesus and he died for their sins just as much as he did any of ours. Any of yours, any of mine. People who've had moral failures that might have affected you, Jesus loves them just as much as he loves any of you. You're no better than them. Stop, listen guys, get off your selfish, righteous high horses and be okay saying, I'm messed up, I'm broken. 
Listen, I'm gonna tell you all this. I was, I, I didn't love, I mean, I hope that y'all would say, man, we see DJ out in the lobby and, and man, he really loves people. Like I would hope that that would be what comes off of me and comes out of me is my love for you because I truly do love every single person in this room. I do and I'll spend time with any person in this room. I love y'all, but I wasn't always like that. There was times in school that I was a bully. I remember a situation about five years ago, believe it or not, I was coming from Texas to Illinois to work at a church, to be a pastor of this church. And Illinois is a different, and it was Chicago. Chicago is a different group of people, man, from, 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 from this boy from Texas. And, uh, and I had a real like hard stance on certain things. I just did, I, I, it wasn't good, but I did. Very dogmatic, very opinionated. I love to challenge, I'm an Enneagram eight, so sometimes I will challenge the process to its core. And I remember I came up to this church and there was this young man who was 15 years old and he came to me and he said, or it was his whole family actually, DJ, just so you know, I would like to be identified as a, as a lady from here on out and my name's gonna be Jade and I'm gonna just, I just wish, would, wish you would respect that and I hope that that's okay and I understand if you don't want me to serve and all that and I said, and I was like, okay, well, let me, let's just, I didn't know what to really say and I never had actually had to deal with a situation like that so I didn't know and uh, so I stepped back and I said, well, let's, let's have a meeting and we were kind of in the middle, I'm literally like going out of church and I was like, let's, let's talk this week. Well, I brought this up to, this scenario up to one of our other pastors and luckily she stepped in with so much wisdom and counsel in my life because here's the thing, what I wanted to say to this person because I had a heart that didn't, I, I, it wasn't right. I wanted to say, hey, Jesus doesn't, God didn't make dis- mistakes, he doesn't make mistakes. That's what I wanted to say to this person. I wanted to say, hey, if God made you a man, you're a man, period. That's what I wanted, how I wanted to respond. And I had this lady say, DJ, if you do that, you'll lose all ability to speak into this person's life and disciple them. And that hit me pretty hard. And that's what shifted my thinking, it shifted my way. And, and so I met with Jade and, said, and, and Jade's family and said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be here for you. I don't understand this stuff. I don't, I don't really understand it. And I don't necessarily even fully agree with this, but I will tell you this, I love you and you'll never have to doubt my love for you and my support for you, and I'm gonna walk this journey with you. Jade spent four years side by side with Alicia and I, and when we left Chicago, she replied and she just said, hey, I just want you to know, you guys made such a big impact in my life. Like, I was, I felt like I was gonna have to leave God. I I felt like God, people, the school had already kicked, the the homeschool co-op, had already kicked her out. So, so here's the thing, like the people who could help Jade understand the internal love of Jesus was removing themselves from that situation because she was too different. And, and this transformation in my life to started taking place where all of a sudden I had this realization that man, loving people is way more important than judging them. I cannot see the kingdom of God grow the way I believe he's called me to see it grow if I don't put down my judgmental thoughts, if I don't stop belittling people, 
I've gotta accept people because that's what Jesus' love does, it accepts. I've gotta be put in a position where I could actually walk side by side. I gotta step down into the mess a little bit. So this morning, I just wanna challenge you that agape love is a love that's not driven from emotion, but it's emphatically making a choice to love, no matter what. I didn't understand Jade, I didn't, I didn't understand the situation, but I had to make a choice. I'm saying all that to tell you guys this, I am not an expert in this stuff. I am a person who's experienced the redemption from other people being okay and loving me and not casting me out. I'm telling you that there's somebody out there that needs you to extend the kingdom of God to them. And they're not gonna listen to you unless you love them first. You cannot lead somebody if they don't trust you. And you can't get somebody to trust you if you don't know them and they don't know you. Relationship, trust. Relationship builds trust. Trust builds the ability to speak into somebody's life and disciple them. See, Jesus friended, this is a, another thing I think is in, in, encouraging to me is, Jesus friended crazy people, y'all. They were completely different from him. He was righteousness. He was the definition of purity. And his friends were high-tempered fishermen. We know what those look like. Have you ever watched Deadliest Catch? It wasn't the, these guys weren't out there fishing because it was fun for them and it was relaxing for them. They were out there fishing because they had to make a living. I grew, I grew up, I worked on an oil field, in, in the oil field for a season in my life and with my dad. My dad was a pastor. We were pretty conservative in our home. I remember my dad told me, now son, you're 18. And you, you get, you, I had to be 18 to work at this, this plant. We were doing a shutdown of this power plant. And he goes, you have to be 18 to work here. So that means that you, you're taking on adulthood right now, son. He goes, I can't prepare you for what you're gonna hear in these break rooms. <laughs> I was with a bunch of roughneck men, and I'm telling you, my vocabulary was opened up in so many ways I didn't know existed. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Like, these were the kind of people that Jesus befriended and decided to disciple, was people who were high-tempered, they probably cussed like crazy. He, he, he befriended prostitutes, he befriended alcoholics, he befriended nasty tax collectors. I, I, I always think that's funny because tax collectors, it's like, well, why are, they, why are they painted to be so horrible in the Bible? Well, it's because they were corrupt. They were corrupt money exchangers. It'd be like uh, the mafia getting involved with uh, Joe Biden. I'm joking, I'm joking. Here I am talking about this, and I'm, anyway, joking. I, should, I had a better one, I should have said. It would have been like Russia getting involved with Joe, anyway. Um, so, his love, Jesus' love, conquered all of their sin, y'all. His love conquered all of their sin. And his love today can still conquer all of our sins. But we have a part in all the world's sins, but we've got a part to play in this, right? We have to extend the kingdom. We have to go to them. See, we, we can't just stay in our comfy chairs and the air condition good music, cool lights, and think we've arrived and think that we're doing something to show Jesus we love him. No, we gotta go out. It's what we do outside. It's what you do Monday through Saturday that tells Jesus how much you really love him. It's what you do when nobody's looking at you that's like you. 
okay? We all come in here and we all worship Jesus. We all come in here and we're all members of Vibrant Church. We all come in here and we all love our church family, right? But what do you do when you're away from the ones that are like you? The Bible says that we go out into the highways and the hedges and we compel them to come in so that his house will be full. His house will not be full if we stay right here doing what we keep on doing. It doesn't matter what kind of preaching you have. It doesn't matter what kind of worship you have. We're not gonna fill these seats with people who need the love of Jesus and need the redemption power of Jesus if we don't go outside the four walls and compel them to come in. So my challenge this morning and my second challenge in this or my second point is go to them. We see that the Samaritan goes to the man who's his enemy and offers him help. And the religious leaders, the pastor, the worship leader, they passed him by. They didn't wanna step down into the mess. But let me show you this demonstration because I believe this, there was a, there was a little thing that came out about in the early 80s, right? And in the early 80s, we, this was a, kind of a, something that somebody came up with to show, share the gospel quickly. So I, my idea and the hope was I could sit down and have coffee with you. We could be at Waffle House. I could pull out a napkin and I could share the gospel with you, right? This is kind of what it looked like. Is here's us. Now, I don't have fancy drawing here, y'all, so I'm just gonna have to do. Here's us. Here's God. Here's sin. And the idea was the cross provides the bridge for us to cross over sin and be with God. Does that make sense? It's wrong though. And, and if I could challenge the person, I told you I'm Enneagram 8, so I like to challenge stuff. And if I could challenge the person who designed this, I'd say, you're wrong. That's not how it works. Let's redo this. All right, let's do this again. So here's sin again. That's the right spot, down in the dumps, you know. Here's God, that's the right spot. See, we were born in sin, so really we're here. We weren't here, we weren't skipping past sin. You live in sin. I cannot drive from here to Arby's and not pass some sort of billboard that's gonna wanna feed my sinful nature. Let's just say I'm a gluttony, which sometimes I can be. And, and, and I've already ate three meals for the day, but man, I go and stop by, I see that Taco Bell sign, and I love me some tacos. So, or, or say I'm an alcoholic. How many liquor stores do I pass by between here and there? I think three. Billboards all over the place with women who, who are half-dressed. So if I'm struggling with lust, trigger, trigger, trigger. We live in a broken, sinful world, so we're right in the middle of all this. And God... In the form of man, it says he who knew no sin became sin. So he comes down here and says, you know what? I'm gonna step off my throne in heaven. I'm gonna replace my crown of splendor with a crown of thorns. And I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna be sin. I'm gonna feel sin. But I'm gonna do that and I'm, so that I could take my children, my people, my loved ones back up with me. So... God came down into the mess to pick me up and bring me in to the promise with him. That's a good thing. That's, that's the gospel. So here's what I wanna ask you. If Jesus 
king, come to me, go to them, he, he went down. If Jesus can do that, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we reciprocate his love by loving others? Shouldn't we say, if he can come to me, I'm gonna go to them? So we have to do that, y'all. We can't expect people who've been broken and hurt and have already had their feel of judgment and condemnation from the church, we can't expect those people to come to us. We have to go to them and show them that we are different, that we're not judgmental, that we are loving people, that have a loving Jesus. And we introduce them to that love, and that love is powerful enough to change every single fiber of their sinful beings because it's doing that for us right now. If you sit in this room, and, and I know y'all know this, but you, know, we, we may, you may feel like, I love Jesus with all my heart. And I'm gonna tell you, you still struggle with sin. We all struggle with sin. I'm sitting up here right now telling you, I struggle with sin daily. What does Paul say? He says, die daily. I have to die daily. My flesh has to die daily because my flesh is sinful. So are you willing to lay your life down for others? This idea is coming in third. It's saying, I'm gonna put Jesus here, others than me. I'm gonna take the third seat of priority in my life. Jesus, others, me. I believe the third and final thing that we have to see in this, is, in this story of the Samaritan is that, see, this guy didn't just, the Samaritan didn't just uh, go over to him and say, hey, man, I see you're hurting I love you, you're cool. He didn't just say a bunch of words. There was actions to his words. Words are empty. It's actions that give the words legs. So one of the things I would, I would say is uh, we can all day long tell people how much we love them, but when somebody says, hey, can you help me move? That's another way of showing them. Or somebody says, hey, I've got a messy situation. Something's not perfect in my life. Can you walk this with me? Can you come and talk to me about this? Us being willing to put everything aside. Like let people be an inconvenience for you. That's what the Samaritan does, right? He, he doesn't, he's on his way to do business, y'all. And he puts all of, his, all of his goals for the day. He puts his agenda for the day. He puts all the things that were gonna be his things. He puts them aside. He goes away from his destiny over to this person that he sees. And he says, you know what? I'm gonna put everything I was gonna do on hold. And it could have cost him. We don't know. We don't know what it cost him. We don't know if he was going to go trade something and if the people that he was gonna trade with were gonna be there the next day. We don't know. We have no idea what this cost him, but it cost him something, and it cost him his time. It cost him his money, right? It says he took care, and it also, he was willing to actually not be comfortable. He, he gave the guy his donkey and says, you ride the donkey, I'll walk on foot. He was wearing sandals, y'all, so his feet were dirty. 
he was willing to get sweaty and messy and nasty, give his money, give his time, give his energy to show this man who was actually a known enemy of his love and compassion. And I think about this and I think how many times have I seen a guy broke down the side of the road and I just passed right by him? Isn't that kind of the same thing? How, how many times have I seen somebody in a real messy situation and I just said, no, I'm gonna walk past you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on going because I don't wanna get messy. I gotta be at church. Church about to start at 11 o'clock, I gotta be there on time. I can't stop and put gas in their car. I can't stop and help push them because what if I mess up my Sunday clothes? What if I mess up my white shirt? What if I get grease on it? But listen, if you get grease on your shirt from helping push somebody's car off the side of the road, we'll find a shirt for you. <laughs> and I'm challenging you in something I'm challenging myself in, y'all. We've gotta be okay letting people inconvenience us, let them inconvenience us, so that we can actually minister the heart of God to those people. We've gotta do that. So Jesus didn't just hang out with hurting and unchurched and sin-filled, marginalized people, but he was full of an intentionality to disciple them towards healing and health and gave them a life that was everlasting. Now, I thought Pastor Ron preached a great message on generosity last week, but there was one thing I just wanted to add, that real generosity starts, the foundation of real generosity, I think, starts with you giving the thing that is the most important thing. If you are a church, if you're a born-again, blood-bought, redeemed Christian, then you have something that is the most valuable thing that you possess and you have, and it's you have salvation, you have grace. And as a Christian, if you are not sharing that, if you're not constantly trying to share that, I would say that you've missed the point of generosity. Because here's the thing, guys. If, if we come into this church and we, if we come into this church and we just, Feel the room, we feel the pew, the seat, the chair. We have the air condition on. We, we in, in really enjoy, nothing is wrong with these things by the way, but we really enjoy laughing and, and connecting and fellowshipping, that's the Christian term for it, fellowshipping with people. If we really enjoy those things, right? If we come in and we enjoy worship, but we're not doing anything and share that love outside these four walls, this is not a church, this is a social club. And the tithe that you are paying is just your membership dues. But if you wanna have tithe, generosity, that goes into the church that's doing something about it, then we're gonna become a church that's gonna go outside of these four walls and minister the love of Jesus to see the kingdom expand. So to show you this point, I have my friend, Pastor Mike here, I think. There he is. Give everybody. How many love Pastor Mike? <laughs> Pastor Mike has done a great job leading us over the last, these last six months. These six months have been hard, y'all. But he's done a great job, so thank you, friend. <laughs> so Pastor Mike has put on this white shirt that really is gonna be like a dress. So thank you for wearing this for me. And here's what the point is. This shirt right here, all the white, represents eternity. It represents heaven and our eternity in heaven, in the kingdom. But this red dot, well, let's see. I'm gonna open. There we go. 
This red dot represents my life on earth. So all of this is eternity. And this little small, what is it? The Bible says life is like a vapor. Just this little small piece. That's here. My objective in this life and this time that I have on earth, my objective is this to try to feel eternity, to try to feel heaven with as many of these red dots as possible. That's the goal. The goal is not to be super successful. The goal is not to be a worship leader that everybody knows about. The goal is not to make records and albums and the goal is not to be some sort of teacher. The goal simply should be when it comes to the way I respond to Jesus and the way that I reciprocate his love, the goal should be just to feel heaven with as many of these red spots as possible. And here's how we would do it. I would start with something like, hey man, I know we're different. I know we might not be the same, but that doesn't matter. I love you and I wanna introduce you to Jesus. Then that might require some conversations. You know, it might require me getting down in the mess. It might be a situation like I told you earlier with Jade where I'm saying, hey, I don't understand the fact, Jade, that you're, you wanna change your sex. I don't understand that, but Jade, I'm gonna walk life with you and I'm gonna figure this out and know that you have a person you can count on. Maybe it's that, I don't know. But at least I hope that I made an impact on Jade's life in this season. Who is the enemy in your life? Who's the person that you feel like you cannot press through in, you cannot break through in, you feel like they would never listen to me? Well, maybe they need to stop listening to you, maybe you need to listen to them. Maybe you need to listen to their story a little bit. So Mike, I'm asking you like, what's your story, right? He, he's gonna tell me what his story is. And as we start to talk, maybe there's something. If he's lost and he's broken, he's hurt. We all know Pastor Mike's not, and this is just an example. But if he's lost and he's hurt and he's broken, maybe there's something I'm gonna be able to do to encourage him in this season. And he's gonna be able to feel Jesus' love. And it's gonna start expanding. He's another person that might say, I will, I'm willing to, to, to understand who Jesus is now. And I'm I wanna go to heaven. I wanna do this. Maybe it's the homosexual that I talked to and that, that homosexual for the first time feels accepted and loved by a Christian man in the South and then introduces me to all of their friends and their circles and then I start being able to minister to them the love of Jesus because that's what it's all about and all of a sudden I got a whole group of people that are going to heaven with me. And then maybe it's a, a group of druggies that, that man, they just, they love hanging out in the back of East Columbus somewhere, or, or where's all the drug people hanging out here? Probably the back end of our church. No. <laughs> and I get to talk to them and I get to start sharing Jesus' love with them. Y'all getting my point? The idea is not that we get to heaven. The idea is that we help as many people as possible who don't know the love of Jesus, who have not ever experienced the love of Jesus, we wanna help them experience the love of Jesus in a non-condemning way, a non-judgmental way. We wanna see them come and feel the love of Jesus. Clothe them and hug them and wrap them in love. And if you could do that, we will see an impact. Thank you, brother. He was the best white t-shirt model ever. So today I wanna finish up just by telling you this story. There was a friend of mine um, who, and I'm just gonna use their, I was, I was trying to, <laughs> in the first service, I was trying to use code names so nobody got offended or heard this and thought, oh, 
but this time I'm just not gonna use code days because I messed up a while ago. Um, I had a friend named Steve. Steve was my mentor. He was my like spiritual father. Brilliant man, PhD. He was a theologian. He was a businessman. He, he just had, he had more degrees on his wall than I used to tell him, man, man if, if I ever have a toilet paper crisis, I know where to go. You got more paper hanging on your wall, son? <laughs> He's like, you, you, you better not. But uh, Steve, Steve was from East Texas, uh, had grown up in a really small community most of his life, very, actually about the same size as Columbus here. Steve uh, grew up in very conservative, uh, a conservative Baptist home. Um, parents raised him up well. Uh, Steve was very, really born in a very religious culture. Uh, Greenville is one of the most religious, uh, literally one of the most religious and racist towns in Texas. And uh, Steve had this, this ministry philosophy that he just said, man, church is supposed to be more than this. Christianity is supposed to be more than this. So his whole thing was less religion, more grace. I loved it. And his, his goal was to share that grace and that love with anybody and everybody who would listen, especially the hurting, the broken, and the marginalized. So him and I, one time we were working out, and I know I don't look like it now, but I used to work out a lot. And uh, him and I were working out. We, we'd work out about every, every morning together. And there was this lady that was in there, and we could tell that, you know, she, again, it was Green, Greenville, Texas, and she was different. Um, she, she looked like she probably and I don't mean to, not trying to judge, but she, she looked like she might want to either, she looked like a man, all right? Let's say it like that. She was, you can kind of tell she might be a lesbian. We didn't know. Didn't care, honestly. She was in the gym and she kind of stayed to herself and you would just see like her, when we would walk in and sometimes it'd be just the three of us, she would stay at a very much a distance. And so, I started trying to break the ice a little bit with her, like I'd be working out and Steve would be doing something. I'd say, hey, can you spot me? And she'd come over and spot me and uh, i said, thank you. And it was kind of a smile. And then she would say something, we'd smile. We just were really, we just tried to be as loving as possible, but not, not like pushy, you know what I'm saying? Like just love. Just let her know that we see her and we love her and we're, we're available. If she ever wanted to talk, we're open, but not pushy. Well, eventually, my friend Steve kind of got to the point where he felt like I wasn't challenging enough for him working out wise. And he was like, I gotta go do something more challenging. <laughs> you ain't helping me, buddy. So he got, he got into CrossFit. And, and at the time, CrossFit was becoming kind of a phenomenon back, back in, in Texas there. Uh, and he invited her to come to CrossFit with him because they were looking for more girls to compete on their CrossFit team. Long story short, I'll try to get to the point here, is that he invited her, she said yes. They started, he started cheering her on and CrossFit's kind of this thing and you start working out and people finish their wads and you're like cheering them on, cheering them on. He, he, she noticed and felt a, a really genuine support from Steve. And here Steve is, a pastor, a man. And she's feeling this for the first time ever. Because here's the thing, y'all. She, um, she was a lesbian. She was also an atheist. And the reason that she was a lesbian and an atheist was because she had been sexually abused by her pastor and her father. So her spiritual father and her earthly father. 
So she had no reason to trust, no reason. See, what she didn't have with my friend Steve was somebody telling her, hey, you should trust me. Hey, you should trust me. Just trust me. No, she had somebody who would say, hey, I I see you and smile at her. And that was it. Hey, I, I thought about you. You're real strong. I thought about you. You wanna come join this thing with me? He wasn't trying to shove Christianity down her throat. He wasn't trying to shove scriptures down her throat. And he definitely wasn't condemning her and telling her that, that she was wrong for not believing in God. This is a pastor of a church and he was befriending an atheist lesbian. And he did, and he won her over. And eventually, she started coming to church. She said, I will never, never darken the door of a church. Well, guess what? The love of Jesus through my friend Steve broke through her life and she came to church. She started hearing the gospel. She started asking my friend Steve questions. And here's the thing, I don't know where her heart stands right now in the moment. That's really honestly though, between her and Jesus. But I can tell you this, there has now for sure been a seed planted of the love of Jesus in her life, for sure. I don't know who you might be thinking of right now, but I can tell you this, there's somebody out there that just needs the seed of the love of Jesus planted in their life. They don't need anything else. You don't have to, you don't have to try to have all these eloquent words or all these scripture verses, and you don't have to do all that. Trust me, I'm not a man of eloquent words. But I'll tell you this, I love on somebody. I don't care where they've been, what they've done, how they look, how they feel, how they, I don't care. How they talk, I don't care, I'm gonna love on them. Because I've seen what it's like to do the opposite. I've seen what it's like when I don't love and when I choose not to love, when I've judged. I've seen what that's done and the byproduct of that. And the byproduct of that is sin. It is sinful for me to not share this love that I have found in Jesus. Oh, what a love. Oh, what a love. So I'm gonna ask you to do something with me. I'm gonna say, love them. And I just want you to repeat with me, love him. I'm really just gonna end on a big note today. I'm not gonna challenge you. This is, I'm gonna go against the grain here, Pastor Trey. We're not gonna do a fresh start. Listen, here's what fresh start means. If you feel like that you need to have a fresh start with Jesus this morning, because maybe you slipped away, if you feel like you need a fresh start of love, accepting his love, a new dose of his love so that you can pour it back out to others around you, I'm not gonna ask anybody to bow their head. I'm gonna say, stand up. If you need that, stand up. I'm gonna stand up. If there's a person in this room today who would say, no, DJ, I don't need a, <laughs> a lecture dose of his love to pour out on others. Maybe y'all misunderstood my question. Do you wanna love others? Do you wanna share the love of Jesus with others? Or do you wanna sit in your cushy seats and act like you have it all together and be self-righteous people? Because if you wanna be self-righteous people, you will not see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will not advance. I know that was a little harsh. I don't, I'm gonna back down a little bit. 
I want y'all to feel the love of Jesus as it washes over you because it's that love that will overflow onto others. And it's for that purpose alone and for that reason alone that we exist on this earth. We exist on this earth in this moment, in this time to just share the love of Jesus. That's it. That's why God made you, is to share the love of Jesus with all those around you who are indifferent, who are not the same. So I'm gonna say this, and we're gonna end a little big, and then Pastor Trey's gonna come out and close this out. Love them, love him. Love them, love him. I'm gonna say love them, you say love him. Love them, love them, love them. If we love them, we are reciprocating and responding to the love of Jesus directly. If we're saying, we're gonna love them, we're gonna say, we love them and now we love him. We love him because we love them, period. It doesn't matter who them is. I'm gonna ask you to let the Holy Spirit this morning tell you, and he will. When you're walking in the lines of Walmart, when, when you're at Kroger and you're grocery shopping, and, and my gosh, you cannot grow to Kroger without seeing somebody you know. But maybe ask the Holy Spirit to just be giving you and enlightening you on who it is that needs the love of Jesus. Is that okay? All right. So if you want a fresh start this morning and you wanna know Jesus and you want a deeper love, just say, yes, I do. That's it, okay? That's all you need to do. Just say, yes, I do. And he will do that. You don't need me to lead you through a prayer. You don't need Pastor Trey to lead you through a prayer. You know, you've been through enough vibrant church services to know what you need to do. Here's all you have to do. Jesus, I love you and I need more of you and I accept you and I'm sorry. And move on. But here's the thing, what we tend to not do sometimes is turn away from our wicked ways. We, we come to church every Sunday and we say, we're gonna get a fresh start. Instead of just saying, hey Jesus, I know I messed up. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm gonna make mistakes but I accept your love. I accept your love. And I wanna show others how much I love you by loving them back. That's it. Let's try that. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens in Columbus. Let's see what happens in Mississippi. Let's see what happens at Vibrant Church. Love you guys. <laughs>